people's hands. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, good morning, Hopewell. Good morning, Hopewell. What a blessing it is to be in the house of the Lord one more time. Grab your Bibles and stand with me and go to Joshua chapter 6. Joshua chapter 6. To all of our first-time guests, we're so glad that you're worshiping with us today. All of you that are watching via Facebook Live and YouTube, thank you so much for tuning in to the Hopewell Experience. Hope and pray that you've already felt the presence of God and you felt welcome as soon as you entered into the parking lot. And we're so glad that you're here. So glad to see our own sister Stephanie Esther's amen with us today. Amen. So good to see her. So good to see her. Joshua chapter 6, just one verse, amen, verse 2, Joshua chapter 6 and 2, and I'll be reading from the New Living Translation of the Bible, when you have it, say amen. amen, if you don't just say wait on me, yeah, I heard somebody say wait, I'll wait on you, amen, don't know how long I'll wait, but I'll wait, amen, I'm teasing you, Joshua chapter 6 and verse 2, and it simply reads as this, but the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho, its king, and all its strong warriors. But the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho, I've given you its king, and all its strong warriors. I'm going to read it again. But the Lord reassured Joshua, I have given you Jericho, the thing that standed between you and the promised land. I have given you its king, and all the strong warriors. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading and the hearing of his word. Just touch two people around you and just tell them guaranteed victory. Guaranteed victory. Guaranteed victory. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Guaranteed victory. I'm teaching Kenny. Well, Carrie and I are teaching Kenny how to play Uno. Carrie has gotten pretty good with it, and she knows how to talk smack while we're playing the game, and she knows how to um, not make it known that she has multiple draw fours in her hand. She knows how to bring it down just when, I'm, when I know I got the victory. She'll bust that card out and say, you didn't see that coming, did you? Remind, just, just keep it, keep it, keep it. Watch yourself, ma'am. But you still need a roof over your head, food to eat, and all that good stuff. You still want toys and stuff and go to McDonald's. Watch yourself. Hey, you're getting good, but you're not that good. Watch yourself. And so we're, we're teaching Kenny how to play so it's funny because I can have my hand Carrie have her hand Kenny have her hand and I'm teaching her that though she's just learning how to play I need her to listen to what I'm telling her because sometimes she has a really good hand but she doesn't understand just yet some of the cars and the power that they have within her hands and so she gets excited we're teaching her teaching her her colors and her numbers and all that different stuff as well at the same time uh, but I'm teaching her that she needs to listen to either Carrie or I when we're playing in the game just to help her to guide her through to lead her through so that she can be able to walk away with the victory one hand a few weeks ago she had a really 
really, 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 really good hand. Again, she didn't understand the power that she had in that hand and the cards that she had in the hand. She had about two draw fours. She had some skips. She had some reverses. She had some draw twos in there as well. I mean, a really good hand. I'm like, man, you got the victory right here, woman of God, and you don't even know it. And so as we're going through, I'm teaching her what card to put out. I'm teaching her what steps to take. I'm teaching her which moves to make. Now, mind you, she's just learning the basic things and how to play the game. And she's trying to get ahead of herself, um, Deacon Baker, and started putting cards out too soon. But I have to keep reminding her because, again, she does not know the hand that she has. And I'm teaching her, listen to what daddy is telling you to do. Listen to me when I tell you to put this card out or to put this card out when to make this move. Listen to what I'm saying because I know something about your hand that you don't even know. I know that you have a guaranteed win, a guaranteed victory ahead of you, but what will cause you to miss the victory is that if you get too arrogant and move before I tell you to move. Joshua and Israel have seen God do some amazing things. You've been on this journey in chapter 4, chapter 3, that we started this thing out talking about moving forward. I don't know how we're still in chapter 6. This is not what I have on our preaching schedule, but we're still here in Joshua right now. But here it is. They start off in chapter 3. Joshua comes along. He takes on the reins after Moses. He's leading the people to the promised land. He's not just leading any type of people. He's leading the children of Israel, the second generation of the children of Israel. And he's taking them into the promised land. God reassures him, man of God, I got you. Just as I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you. I've seen you serve Moses faithfully. I've seen you serve the people of God faithfully. So I've appointed you and put you in this position. And it is through you that I am going to anoint you and grace you to lead Israel to the promised land. They get there and there's a river called the Jordan River that's standing in their way. And it's water, it's harvest season. So the the water is overflowing in front of them and it's intimidating because the river is what's standing in their way from them getting to where God has for them to be and God tells Joshua this day I'm going to make you great in the eyes of the people they've heard about the Red Sea they've heard the miraculous things that I did with their ancestors but now this generation is going to witness you lead them through the lead them through the Jordan River the Bible says you all know the story the Bible says says that Joshua gives them instructions and he calls for the priest. He calls for the priest to be able to go before them with the Ark of the Covenant which represents the presence of God. He tells them, I want you to go forth and as you go forth, stay about a thousand steps behind. I don't want you to get too familiar with God's presence. And they go forth and as soon as the priest's feet touch the water, water dries up. The water drives up and the Bible says about a million or so people walk across the Jordan River and nobody gets wet. Exciting. They see God doing this. They're seeing how God is taking them from where they are and launching them into where they're supposed to be. Here's the thing. God knows the hand. God knows what lies ahead. God knows the victory that they are going to experience on the other side of their challenges. Okay. But what God is doing 
through the life of Joshua, through the life of the children of Israel, is to teach us that you and I can be, can be certain and known and reassured of the guaranteed victory that we have on the other side of our challenges. We can shout about the guaranteed victory, but it's the other side of the challenges that we get an attitude with and just want to just go off on God about because we understand, God, you, you know the thoughts that you have for me. You know the victory that you have for me. You know all the good things that you have in store for me. But God, I don't understand. Why does there have to be challenges in order for me to be able to attain the victory? Okay, I'm in here by myself. Y'all don't want to be real with me this morning. I have to ask myself sometimes, God, why do there have to be challenges that I have to experience and go through in order to be able to attain the victory? Here they are. Here they are once again. We're in chapter 6. Once again, they're here. They're here. Now, in chapter 5, the, the second generation of children of Israel, they have just now been circumcised. They're getting ready to, prep to be able to go. And so now they're ahead of Evangelist Maxwell moving forward with God. And now here it is. Something else. <laughs> that we got to deal with somebody doesn't seem like that sometimes that's how life is everything is good I mean you just shouted until you sweated out your weave last Sunday I mean you ran you had a good time I mean you danced so hard you almost had an asthma attack I mean you just had a good time but then all of a sudden after the shout there's a challenge I mean you just thank God you just praise God you just magnified God and now here it is Another challenge after challenge after challenge after challenge, and you get to a place and you say, God, oh, oh God, can I get a Holy Ghost time out real quick? Can I, get a, can I get a water boy or something to come and help a brother or a sister out? Because you keep sending stuff back to back to back. But can I encourage you this morning? Can I, can I, can I encourage you this morning? Keep following God. When it looks impossible and difficult, keep following God. Even when it looks challenging, keep following God. Even when it looks impossible, keep following God. Even when it looks difficult, because I got to tell you, saints of God, I can only imagine how Joshua felt. He's leading. He's coming after Moses. He's seeing God do some amazing things in the life of Moses. And they get here. They've, they've dealt with the Red Sea. They've dealt with the Jordan Sea. They've dealt with all of this. And now here we are with another challenge. Because what ends up happening, our human nature begins to take over our spiritual uh, discernment. And whenever there is a challenge, we are ready to bag up, bag that thing up, and turn around and go to wherever is comfortable. Whenever something is impossible, whenever something looks difficult, we become unspiritual real quick. And the first thing that we desire to have is what? Ease and comfort. And we will talk ourselves. I know I'm preaching to somebody besides myself this morning. We will talk ourselves out of what God has in front of us because we don't want to deal with the difficulties. We don't want to deal with the impossibles. All we want is comfort and victory.
But can I tell you something, saints of God? I know it may not always feel good. I know it may not always look good, but my goodness, there is something about the impossibilities. There is something about the difficulties that we face in life, on this walk, in this life, that Jesus tells us that we will have trials and tribulations. There is something about challenges. There is something about impossibilities. There are something about difficulties that teaches us something about God that we did not know. There was something about challenges, Elder James, that we experienced in life that we go to another level in God that we never would have went in if we had never experienced the impossibles and the difficulties and the challenges. There is something that happens in our faith that it grows and matures and grows and matures that only grows and matures in and through challenges and difficulties. Think it not strange. Keep following God. It looks crazy, but keep following God. I'm not sure, I'm uncertain, but keep following God. Joshua is not just concerned about himself, but he has a million plus other people that are looking to him for leadership. And what does he do? He keeps following the God because in those moments of challenges, please hear me saints of God in those moments of challenges you have to go back, thank you Holy Ghost you gotta go back and remind yourself of what God said at the beginning with the first assignment, you gotta go back and remind yourself that God said I will never leave you nor forsake you you gotta go back and tell yourself God said just as I was with Moses I will be with you, go back to what God said in the beginning, be strong and very courageous you need those words to remind yourself. You need the word of God. That's why scripture memorization is so important. We learned it as kids in Sunday school, but we forgot it as we got grown up as adults. We can remember all the songs to Gladys Knight and the Pimps and Beyonce, but we didn't know these scriptures that we hide in our heart so that we won't sin against God and not just sin against God, that I need the word of God in my heart so that I don't run when things get challenging. I won't run when things get stuck, but I can be like the tree. Help me, church, planted by the river of water that I will not be moved by challenges because I know that there's victory on the other side. I know that God has more for me than what I'm seeing right now. I know God has more for me than what I'm hearing right now and I'm not letting no devil in hell. I'm not letting nothing challenges stop me from going after what God has for me. So I'm going to keep following after God. If I have to crawl, I'm going to crawl. If I'm going to crawl and cry, I'm going to crawl and cry, but I'm going to keep following after God. Don't allow, thank you Holy Ghost, don't allow the enticement of comfort to cause you to miss the victory. I don't care what challenges you may be experiencing right now. There's victory on the other side. This is a good word right there. Touch your neighbor's neighbor. There's victory on the other side of this. There's victory on the other side of this. God, I feel like preaching. There's victory on the other side of this. If you can weather the storm, if you can tuck it in and just keep going, if you can muster up enough strength, there's victory on the other side of this. Keep following God. Even when it looks impossible and when it looks difficult. 
you got to look the challenges in the face and say, I'm going to keep following God. And sometimes following God is just simply trusting God in the midst of chaotic stuff. That I keep. I keep leaning and depending on him. And I'm not sure about what's next. When all I know is that I have a promise from God that there is victory on the other side of this. I got to get me a press machine to make some t-shirts because that's good right there. That's victory on the other side of this. I'm going to let that resonate just for a little bit. Baby, even in my notes, that's the Holy Spirit right there. There's victory on the other side of this. If I can get through this, there is the promise of victory on the other side. Of, if I can hang on just a little while longer, there is guaranteed victory on the other side. What is your this? I don't know what your this may be. It may be the lack of resources. It may be the lack of jobs. But if you can get through this, God told me to tell you that there is victory on the other side of this. Who am I preaching to today in the world? Who am I preaching to? On the, there is victory on the other side. I've touched somebody around you. So there's victory on the other side. There's victory on the other side. Try to get through this as decent as we can. That's victory. Unless you don't encourage everybody else, put your hands on yourself and say, Self, there's victory on the other side of this. Come on, encourage yourself like David. There is victory on the other side of this. There's, I don't care if it's a test, if it's school, there's victory on the other side. of this hallelujah 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 there's victory on the other side of this here it is God shares some instructions with Joshua to help him get the people in line, to help get himself in line, and to lead the people on the other side 
of this. I love it. If we're going to be able to attain the victory that's already been guaranteed, saints of God, here's the first thing we got to realize, know it's right here in the text. We got to have attentive ears. Somebody say attentive ears. Come on, I, I, like, I, I like to talk back, church. Come on, say attentive ears. Look at verses 3 through 5. God comes on the scene. In verse 2, he tells Joshua, look at this, y'all. God is so bad. Look at what God tells Joshua in verse 2. But the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho as king and all the strong warriors. He sealed the deal, Minister 4, and, and, and guaranteed their victory before they even went out into battle but their victory get this y'all don't miss this don't miss this because you can speak it you can say it but if you miss the instructions you won't get it here it is here it is he tells them there's victory on the other side of this but there are instructions that I have in place for you to be able to follow so that you can be able to attain the guaranteed victory that I already have for you look at it y'all look at verse 3 he gives them instruction he says you and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn. On the seventh day, you are to march around the town seven times with the priests blowing the horns. When you hear the priests give one long blast on the ram's horn, have all the people shout as loud as they can, then the walls of the town will collapse and the people can charge straight into town. Reverend! Did you not just say that there is a whole town that's standing in the way of them getting to where God has for them? And you mean to tell me God's strategic plan is to take some preachers and some instruments to walk around a building six times and on the seventh time have all the people shout? Don't you need some brothers that have a construction business to come and tear the wall down? Don't you need a builder committee to come and take the and to demolish the wall to demolish the wall? Why? Have the priests walk around the wall. Why have the people shout on the seventh day? It makes absolutely no sense to our human minds, but it makes complete sense to God. And sometimes God will give us instructions that don't make sense to us, but it makes sense to him. And the reason why he does it that way, he want to make sure that when you get the victory, nobody can be able to get the credit but me. Not you and what you've done, not you and your ideas, not you and your team, but nobody can get the credit but me. But why these instructions? He tells it to test their obedience. And in order for them to attain the guaranteed victory that God has for them, they must have attentive ears. Everybody say attentive ears. What do you mean by attentive ears, Pastor? That they are listening with the anticipation to act on what they heard. They're not listening just to be nosy. 
They're listening with the anticipation that whatever God gives Joshua and Joshua gives us, and Joshua gives it to us, we're going to do it. Notice here, when Joshua tells the people what God has told them, there was no church meeting. There was no vote to see if two-thirds of the majority of those present, y'all know how we do in the Baptist church, if it was two-thirds of the majority of those present should be able to give it a yay to go forth. Bible says that he gives the instructions to the priests and the people and they do exactly what he says to do. Can I tell you something, saints of God? Many of us have missed out on guaranteed victories that God had already had for our lives. But because we could not put our pride to the side and obey what God said, even when it did not make, make any sense to our minds on our heart, but because we were too puffed up and arrogant and failed to do what God said, we missed out on a win that God already had for us simply because we would not obey. And in this walk with God, I'm learning that sometimes I have to obey when I do not understand. I'm learning on this walk with God that sometimes I just have to do as I'm told where there is no conversation back and forth with God. I'm in this journey now of parenthood where Carrie's getting old. Thank God she's in, she's in uh, children's church today. I can just go ahead and talk about it real quick. In the stage of parenthood with her that when I say something, you know, she wants to have a discussion about it. Oh, God. And there's just something, hair just rises up in the back of my head. Well, she wants the dialogue, sister, tell you about what I'm saying. I can say, hey, Carrie, when you get done with your food at the table, just go ahead and put it in the garbage. Okay, daddy, I'll do it once I'm done watching JoJo see what. No, I want you. To do it right when you're done eating. Because otherwise you're going to forget what daddy said. So I need you to act in the moment when I tell you to do it, whether you understand it or not. And I was getting frustrated with her, and I'm talking to Sister Swims about it, and I'm getting frustrated with her. I'm talking to my sister about it, talking to my sister, and they just think it's all funny and laughs. I say, you know what, click, I'm done talking to you right now, because this ain't funny. I know all y'all kids are older now, and I, but this ain't funny. <laughs> Telling my parents about it, I can't hang up on them, but I just gladly say, okay, I got to go. And I get on her, and I get frustrated, and it's almost like Holy Spirit taps me on my shoulder. Hey, Chip, you know how, 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 how frustrated you are with Carrie that when you tell her to do something and you want her to act on the day and that she don't do it, and you're constantly having to repeat yourself over and over and over and over again. I said, yes, Holy Ghost, what you, what you trying to say? You the same way? That the expectation is when I give you the instructions, I need you to have attentive ears and feet that are ready to act and do what I said, when I said it, and how I said it. I don't need you to alter anything. I don't need you to change something up. I need you to do it exactly how I said to do it. How many victories have we missed out on? 
simply because we want to do it our way and change it up and put a little pizzazz on it a little bit and not do it God's way. We need attentive ears that are ready to hear and act accordingly to what he has said to do. God spoke to Joshua. Joshua spoke to the people. The priests get the instructions and they go get the Ark of the Covenant. They go they get the ram's horn. They go they get the people and they begin to act on what God has given them to do. God has a strategic plan of how he's going to get you on the other side of this. God, does, God has a strategic plan of how he's going to get you on the other side of this. And all we have to do is obey and do exactly what he said, when he said, how he said it. And it is guaranteed that he will get us on the other side. It's not guaranteed that we won't have any challenges, but it's guaranteed if we trust and obey him. Right? He said, there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. There's guarantee if we do it, we will get on the other side of this. He tells him, he goes on, all right, I need your ears. But here it is. Verse 12, guaranteed victory requires courageous participation. Look at verse 12. Look at verse 12 right here. This is so good, y'all. Joshua got up early the next morning, and the priests again carried the Ark of the Covenant. Let me start right there. I love this. I love this because there was something so vitally important that Joshua realized, I ain't going nowhere or doing nothing without God's presence being in the midst. So he made sure he did it over at the Jordan River. He's doing it now. He made sure that God's presence was involved in everything that they were doing. He made sure that the presence of God was going before them as they were going out into battle. He made sure that God was involved in what he was doing. Can I be nosy and ask you a question this morning? Are you keeping God involved in your affairs? Are we keeping God involved in our business? Are we giving God space? Come in and to set the tone of how everything is going to go. Are we taking time to talk to God before we start talking to people? Because you know what I've realized? What, you know what I've realized? I've realized, I've realized that sometimes I have to talk to God before I talk to people. I, sometimes I really have to talk to God before I talk to people. Sometimes I really have to talk to God before I talk to people. Listen, I had a young man, I, 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 I do this program called Jackson CEO. I had a guy, they have to turn in journals every week. And so I was reading the journals one week, and the guy, he came at me in the journals. So it said I was I was being passive and aggressive and all this other stuff. I said, ah! I said, Holy Ghost, help my fingers right now. Bring them up, back them up, back them up, back them on up. 
Sent him a text back, email back. I said, hey, let's talk. Call me tonight, Ronnie. I have to talk to God before I talk to him. I had to really talk to God and God really have to talk back to me before I talk to him. I had to get God involved because once I did that, had the conversation, it was just a miscommunication that happened and we got it all straightened out. But if I had not talked to God before I talked to him, I would have called him out in class. So true. And would have made a fool out of myself. Have we gotten God involved in our conversations? Have we gotten God involved in our business? Have we included God in our affairs instead of going to him after the fact when everything is a mess? But if we had gotten him involved from the beginning, it may not have been a mess. He valued the presence of God. It was important that God was in the midst of what they're doing. He valued the presence of God. Let me keep going. He says, Joshua got up early the next morning. The priests carried the ark, of the, the ark of the Lord. The seven priests with the ram's horn marched in front of the ark, blowing the sounds against the armed men, marched both in front of the priests with the horns and behind the ark of the Lord. All this time, priests were blowing their horns. On the second day, they marched around the town once and returned to the camp. They followed the pattern for six days. Can you imagine how annoying this is? You remember what God said? You got a guaranteed victory. But look at what God does not tell them. He does not give them the date of when victory will be attained. He gives them instructions on what to do to get there. But he does not give them a deadline because if they gave them a deadline, they will rush the process to get towards the end. But it's in the six days of what God is going to do in them that's going to equip them for what God is getting ready to take them past. That makes absolutely no sense. Yes, it does. It makes a lot of sense. He tells them to walk around the walls of Jericho every day for six days. They're walking day one, nothing happens. They're walking day two, and nothing happens. They're walking day three, and nothing happens. Day four, day five, day six. They're continuing to walk, and nothing is happening. What is God teaching them in this time? God is teaching them how to wait on him. <laughs> oh, God, there was a holy hush in the sanctuary. God is teaching them how to wait on him. Could it be saints of God? that what you have prayed for has not happened yet because God is taking you through a process just like he's doing with the children of Israel and he's teaching you how to wait on him. I got a lot of questions this morning. I know I'm being nosy, but I got the mic. How do you wait on God? No, like for real, for real. What is your posture like? when you wait on God? Do you have the same enthusiasm on day three like you did on day one when you was walking around the wall? Or by this time, are you walking with an attitude mumbling under your breath because God has not done what you thought he was going to do? How do we wait on God? How 
do, do we wait on God with a jacked up attitude because we feel like, well, God, this is a waste of my time. Why am I even doing this? Are we waiting on God with that attitude or are we still waiting with him on expectation and saying, any day now, God, I don't know when, I don't know how, but I'm just waiting. I just know that this may be the day. He's teaching them. He's teaching them how to wait because here it is, saints of God. If you don't know how to wait on him, you will ruin victory when it gets in your hand. If you don't understand, if you don't understand what the weight wants to do in you and what, how the weight wants to teach you and, 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 and get in you and to work in you and do a perfect work in your life, if we miss out on the weight, we will ruin victory in our hands. Have you ever given something to somebody prematurely and they wasted it? Have you ever given someone something treasurable and they just ruined it because they did not know what to do with it? Keep walking. Marched around. Verse 15, on the seventh day, the Israelites got up at dawn and marched around the town as they had done before. But this time, they went around the town seven times. The seventh time around, as the priests sounded the long blast on their horns, Joshua commanded the people, Shout! For the Lord has given you the town. Jericho and everything in it must be completely destroyed as an offering to the Lord. Only Rahab, the prostitute, and the others in our house will be spared, for she protected our spies. Do not take any of the things apart for, uh, uh, set, do not take any of the things set apart for destruction, or you, you, or you yourselves will be completely destroyed, and you will bring trouble on the camp of Israel. Everything made from silver, bronze, and iron is sacred to the Lord, and must be bought into His treasury. When the people heard the sound of the ram's horn, they shouted as long as they could. Suddenly, the walls of Jericho collapsed, and the Israelites charged straight into town and captured it. It's courageous participation on their end to follow the instructions that God had given. It's, it's courageous participation because what God is requiring from them does not make sense. But, 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 it does not make sense because in, in the beginning, if you read verse 1, verse 1 of Joshua chapter 6 says that the fear of the Lord was already in the people. Why? They had heard about what happened at the Jordan River. So the folks were already scared. That alone was enough. But God said, absolutely not. Because I don't want them just to fear you all. I want them to acknowledge me. And the way for me to be able to do that is to use you all as courageous participants, a part of my plan, to march around this wall continuously and to shout on the seventh day. And then the walls will come down and you can be able to go straight in and, and, and take the land that is yours. But I need you to do it this way because I got to make sure that I get the credit from it. Can I tell you something, saints of God? This is real simple, and I'm on my way. I'm out of here because I'm hungry. Victory is in our obedience. Victory is in our obedience. Notice here, every day, God gave them instructions just for that day. And they did what he said that day. And the next day, he gave them fresh instructions on what to do. 
And the next day, he, all they had to do was have attentive ears ready to act on what God has said and to fully participate in what God was doing. You and I have guaranteed victory if we just obey. You and I have guaranteed victory if we would just obey. You and I will have guaranteed victory if we would just obey and do exactly what he says to do. And I know it had to be strange and awkward and weird. They walk around this wall seven times. They get there, which seven is one of God's numbers, which is the number of completion. And they get there on the seventh time. And Joshua says, march around the wall on this seven day, for, for, uh, around, around the wall seven times. And then when I say shout when you hear the ram's horn open up your mouth and shout and the walls came down yes. simply because they obeyed your victory our victory is in our obedience can you can we obey God when it doesn't even make sense. Can you, can we obey God? When it's instructions that he gives us that we don't particularly like. That's what I found out. It's easy to obey God when we like the instructions. But it's when he's telling us to do stuff that just makes our flesh, our, our flesh cringe and we really don't want to do it. How he would tell you to go and apologize to somebody knowing you ain't do nothing wrong to him, but he tells you to go apologize to him. And you moving real slow and talking and going to him. Because you think from between there and there, he may change his mind. You keep walking real slow. Oh, you do it, but he realized you were still being sarcastic and nice, nasty about it and make you go back again until you get it right with the right attitude. There's victory. I know I, I, I'm meddling this morning. There's victory. There's victory. There's victory in our obedience. Simply doing what he says, when he says, how he says, with no alterations. Simply doing what he says, how he says, when he says, with no alterations. Do it. March. Open up their mouths and shout. And the walls came down. Can you imagine what a sight, what a sight that was? That once again, they've seen God do the impossible. Once again, they've seen God do a miracle. And to think they could have missed the miracle if they had stopped following God. They would have missed the second miracle if they had allowed their flesh and the ease of comfort to lure them back. Though it was challenging, though it was scary, they continued to follow God. 
Last week, chapter 4, the Bible says that he challenged them to take stones, big stones, nice-sized stones, and to build memorials where they were, to remind them and to remind the generations to come about God's faithfulness. Here's what I've learned to realize in my own life. When I've taken the time to reflect upon my past encounters with God, it helps me deal with the challenges ahead. When I take the time, Candace, to, to, to reflect upon God's faithfulness to me, I realize that what lies ahead and what I'm facing is nothing that my God cannot do. When I reflect upon and think about when doctors said that we would never be parents and now we have two kids. When I reflect upon the faithfulness of God, it helps me to handle and to put into better perspective, Minister Lynn, what I'm facing right now. I got to ask you this question this morning. Where your stones at? Where your stones at? You need stones to put in your view so that when life gets challenges, get challenging, you can step back and you can look and you can say, oh, wait a minute, let me get myself together. I see a stone. And that stone is a reminder to me of God's past faithfulness in my life and the future faithfulness that he will continue in my life as long as I keep following him. Where's your stone? 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 Where, where, where's your stone that can capture your mind and remind you of God's faithfulness? Because as you keep following God, as we keep following God, we're going to have challenges. Man, there's going to be some impossible things that are going to come up. There's going to be some difficult things that are going to come up. But when we see that stone, it's going to remind the same God that brought me through that is the same God that can bring me through this. The same God that's been faithful before in my life is the same God whose faithfulness will continue in my life. And all I got to do is keep following And never forget what he has done. Oh, Deacon used to sing, Jesus, I never forget what you've done for me. I never forget how you brought me out. No, 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 never. How can I forget 
what you've done for me. How can I forget how you bought me out? No, no, never. Never. Never forget what he has done. And his continued faithfulness towards me that has nothing to do with me but all about him because his character is faithful. Where are your stars? Listen, the past two weeks we've been saying something that we're on the edge of miracles. We're on the edge of miracles. Listen, I want you to do something right now.